Hi, my name is Tierra, and I had some thoughts about this whole safety pin revolution. Um, I happen to think that, you know, people that thought of it first, I think their hearts were in the right place, and I'm not going to discount that at all, but I do tend to think it's become a fad, it's become a trend. Um, I think a lot of people are doing it as a show that they care and I mean caring is one thing action is another um but those same people wearing those safety pins are not the type to take those pins off and you know stab a bigot in the eye with them then I really don't see the damn point um you know these these symbols that say I care um are really just to make the wearer themselves feel really good about their efforts or you know lack thereof or you know, just the fact that they have, they have thought about, you know, the bigotry, the sexism, and, you know, the misogyny and all of that. Um, just the fact that they've thought about it, but, you know, thinking about it and actually going out and, and taking action is just totally different. And I think, you know, if these, if these same people are the type to really do something, there was so much opportunity over the past eight years. I mean, hell, all of my life there was opportunity for them to step in and say, hey, this is not correct. You should not be treating this person that way. I see that you're a racist. I see that you're a bigot. I see that you're sexist. Stop it. I'm going to use my voice to speak up for this, you know, disenfranchised person. Um, that hasn't happened. So I don't think, you know, a little, you know, safety pin is going to empower them to start doing that. I mean, hell, they've had all this time to do it. If they didn't do it before, it's not happening now. So those are my thoughts on that. I mean, I think everybody's heart was in the right place, but um, these pins have just become so nouveau and so trendy. I don't think anybody's ready to really get froggy and jump. Yeah, this is Eliza Hamilton, a.k.a. the prodigal Yurugu. And I just wanted to say something about the whole concept of allyship. For one, the word ally, it's a verb. It's not a noun. When it comes to the context of anti-racism, allyship is something you do. It's not something that you claim to be. Because when white people declare themselves as allies, they're taking on this whole identity of someone who can be safe to black people. But when in the history of this country have, black, have white folks ever really come through for black people in a sustained way yeah sure we might you know get all get all up and act defensive and shit when shit gets really heated in the media but at the end of the day all those white activists who are supposedly marching for freedom and shit marching for civil rights back in the late 60s where did they go how come when i became an anti-racist they weren't there to guide me in the process because they weren't doing that shit no more we only care when black folks are up in arms. That's the only time we act like we care. And usually it's so that black folks won't rise up against us because we're afraid of violence so we don't get all nonviolent and say we'll protect you. But let me ask this question, when have we ever protected them? And as far as this whole safety pin movement, let me just say there is no such thing as a safe white person when it comes to African people globally. There is no such thing as a safe white person. And if you're really dedicated to the cause of ending global white supremacy and protecting African people and serving the interests of African people worldwide, you will never kill an African person or a black person that any white person is safe to trust, including yourself. 
safety pins notwithstanding. Anyway, shout out Soul Brother number one. Keep doing it. I'll check in with y'all later. Peace. Welcome to the Soul Brother number one of a kind podcast show called Hashtag Treacherous Tuesdays, starring the Candy Am Eating, Big Booty Technique, Well-Dressed Immaculate, Sociopolitical Activist, That Vicious Abolitionist, Johnny Silvercloud. Before we begin, let's give our shout-outs. So... As far as the top three countries concerned, you have you have the United States of America, number one, the number one listener to the Afro Sepio Fowl Podcast Network. Number two, you have Canada. And number three, you have the United Kingdom. So the top three nations listening to the Soul Brother Number One of Kind podcast or the Afro Sapiel Fowl Podcast Network are three English-speaking nations. And uh, with that being said, I'd like to give a special shout-out to uh, France. As far as the top five cities go, let's talk about these top five cities. Okay, so the first city is Toronto, Canada. Ooh, God bless Canada. Uh, for those who are in Toronto who's really loving this stuff, keep it up, all right? Number two is... Rugby United Kingdom, which is outside of uh, Birmingham, not Birmingham, Alabama, but Birmingham, United Kingdom, Birmingham, England. And um, that makes it that lets me know that we are very much international. And for those who are in rugby, I'd like to give you a very, very special thank you. Third is uh, Newcastle, Newcastle, California, which, which is found outside of uh, Sacramento. Fourth, Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. Then fifth, fifth place we have Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville gets another shout out being that they're like, you know, called out on that new uh, TV show, Ash vs. Evil Dead. So <laughs> Jacksonville, you're getting a whole lot of limelight right now. God bless. So with that being said, um, we're here today to t- because... For some reason, safety pins have become a thing. Yeah, you heard that correctly. Safety pins became a thing. So let's look at this. When I first heard of this safety pin nonsense, I really didn't know what to think. So at the dawn of Donald Trump's election, a bunch of white folks began wearing safety pins? For what? Clearly, I didn't get the memo on this one. Well, it seems that these safety pins are worn to allow us, those who are non-white in America, to know that that white person is, in fact, a safe white person. This safety pin allows us to know that this white person didn't vote for Trump and is largely upset about his electoral win towards presidency. When it comes to white allyship, let's talk about this one. First and foremost, I know a whole lot about white allyship, buddy. I know a whole lot about this, so uh, so to speak. I have been a black man who, after looking at many black people, 
most willfully working in collusion with white supremacy. I figure that it's problematic that we as black people don't have the same thing in return. White folks working against whiteness. I liken it to the CIA if black folks were the United States here, seeing tons of Russian KGB agents in American government without ever having a single CIA agent within Russian government in return. While the Willie Lynch letter is a fictional document, it is not a fictional, it's not fictional conceptually. Black people do, do most of the wet work of white supremacy for whites. So why don't black people have whites doing most of the wet work against white supremacy? I for a long period of time attempted to be the guy who turned whites against the system of white supremacy. No different than a CIA handler attempting to turn a Soviet against the Soviet Union. Long story short, this type of anti-racism work is very, very sloppy. <laughs> this type of anti-racism work is very sloppy. I can't, I cannot emphasize how sloppy it is. How sloppy it is, is, is of no fault to the black guy trying to make it work. It's the white people involved. I'll say that again, how sloppy that is. It's the white folks involved. White folks, no matter how well-intentioned well intentioned they are, they will infinitely censor themselves in regards to anti-racism work. They will infinitely censor themselves in regards to anti-racism work. To be an ally, the very word itself denotes the concept of being a sidekick of some sort. Trust me when I tell you no, no matter that no matter what's the disposition of that white ally, they're going to want to be in front. They call themselves allies, but they don't want to be an ally. They don't want to be in the ally role. They want your role. Let's make this clear. Black folks, let's, I mean, let's make this clear. The white ally wants to plant themselves to replace you literally. Trust me when I tell you this. If you ever attempt to engage in mentoring white allies, which is definitely something that that's that's needed to make all of this work, just know that eventually they will get mad at you reminding them of their lily white asses that they're not supposed to be out front, that they are not black people. They will even attempt to attack you and discredit you. They might actually spend more time attacking people of color versus actual white supremacists. Trust me, I know this life. Anyway, everything wrong with white allyship is precisely what I see with this gentrified whiteness protester movement taking place. The first problem is that no one talks to minorities, black people, about their strategy, aim, or intent. This whole Trump protesting thing just happened out of nowhere as if awoken black folks were practically not professional protesters by now. Imagine America attempting to protect a nation, let's say France, from Nazi threat without America ever knowing what the national borders of France was, let alone what the capital of France was. Imagine if US troops were tasked to protect France but they didn't know where French roads led, and they had no knowledge of French maps, climate, or land space. 
Let's take this further and suggest that America was trying to protect France and didn't give a fuck what France thought. What if America attempted to help France from a possible Nazi threat without ever notifying France, or at least asking France how can be how can they be of service? This is precisely what we're looking at in regards to these gentrified protesters. They are largely white folks who are understandably butthurt over the fact that Trump won and Clinton lost. But let's talk about that. Trump won and Clinton lost. In an article I wrote about Trump and black folks, he pointed out that U.S. conservatism is the attack wing of white supremacy and liberalism is the deception, sabotage wing of white supremacy. Based on how they operate, this holds up to be true. If electing Trump was technically choosing to attack American ethnic minorities, would not electing Clinton would be technically choosing to deceive American ethnic minorities? The point I'm getting at here is this simple assessment. These white folks who are protesting in these streets, they're not here, they're not there to protest against racism as an American minority would know it. They're there to uphold the illusion that racism is over. Yeah, I said it. They're there to uphold the illusion that racism is over. They're there because they want to be the liberal, white, racism denialist, colorblind type in charge of the United States. Remember, attack versus sabotage, the end result is the same. Digging deeper into the conservative liberal side of white supremacy, just think of the conservative as the, the conservatives as the military might of whiteness. Liberals, on the other hand, are like spies and agents. They use finesse and smoothness to hold whiteness. They're not going to kick the door down. They're already there. So instead of kicking the door down, they're already behind enemy lines, which are, in this case, our lines, passive aggressively working to ensure that we as black people are fed misinformation and we don't know what's up. They are there to ensure that we don't have guns. They are there to ensure that we cannot and will not defend ourselves from our true threat. What I'm saying here is that these folks in the streets right now are fighting for that illusion versus actually solving the problem. And that's why they wear those safety pins. Those safety pins are more about them caring about how they are perceived versus actually being against all forms of oppression. I'll say that again. Those safety pins are more about them caring about how they're perceived versus actually being against colonialism, against racism, against white supremacy. White people, both the radicalized conservative and the soft liberal, care more about being perceived as racist versus actually being racist at all. This is why both engage in behaviors that are racist as fuck and at the same time worry about the fact that you call them out. As far as final thoughts go, the only thing that will fix this problem is if these gentrified protesters fell under black leadership. But to do that, they must humble themselves and look for that. They must look for that leadership. They must do things like understand that black lives matter and then listen to black lives matter activists without bullshitting them. 
Just before recording this, I saw an article proclaiming that these white bread protesters are sparking a new civil rights movement. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a real thing, that, that article. Being that black people have been protesting since Trayvon Martin and Ferguson and all, this is the biggest appropriation I ever seen. This is the hugest white privilege flex I've ever seen thus far in regards to anything looking like civil rights. If anything, these protesters need to learn from conservatives and put their white privilege on full display and bring the guns out. Bring the guns out to protest. Yeah, I said it. It's not like, it's not like they're going to get shot. They're white. And as we know, cops really do hate shooting white folks, even if it caused them their own lives. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Do I think, do I, do I foresee any of this coming true? No, I don't think so. They're not going to listen to us. They never do. So with that being said, it's about that time. Thanks for joining us. Before you leave, if you like what you heard, click like and subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, or if you go for your podcast, do not let this be the last time we hear from you or you hear from us. Follow us on Facebook, Afro Sapio File page. If you want to be heard, you can always leave a voice message at 202-854-1996. That's 202-854-1996. Last but not least, be sure to check out Check us out at afrosapiofile.com for everything afrosapiofile. And uh, before I leave, big shout out to Tierra, the uh, Savage Sophisticate, and Elijah Hamilton for calling in. All right. So this is Johnny Silvercloud, soul brother number one of a kind, signing out. Peace.